Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. Good morning. Isn't it nice that we have cell phones now that automatically update our time? (laughs) Unless those of you who still use your old alarm clocks, you had to make sure you knew what today was. And then my alarm went off at 5.15, which was really 4.15, and I thought I was going to die. But I didn't. I'm alive. (laughs) And mostly awake. (laughs) All right, so we've been talking about what, what does it look like in the storm? How do, we trust in, how do we trust God in the storm? And we're going to just take a minute and we're going to review, okay? Now, I'm not going to actually call on you. I almost called on you. I almost gave you like 15 seconds to think of something in the last like five or six weeks that Sean has said or that I have said. But I don't like putting you guys on the spot like that because I don't like to be on the spot like that. Every once in a while, I will, though, so you better keep on your toes. All right, so what have we learned? The first thing we learned was that we need to look at the seasons of our life or our circumstances, and we need to look at them through God's perspective, right? And that there was always something good that he was doing. He was always at work in our circumstances. You know, that's what we learned the first week. He's always at work. There's something good happening in every circumstance. The next thing we learned was that the way that we pray matters. So he, Sean gave us a, a prayer model of recognizing Philippians 4, and it's, it's just going through it. We're not going to worry. We're going to choose to not worry, right? We're going to have a conversation with God. That means we're praying, we're talking to him, and we're also putting in our requests. We're going to be choose to be super thankful, and we're going to walk away and not to dwell on it. One of the things I love about Philippians 4 is there's three little words in there that have been like just dear to my heart. And it literally says, says the Lord is near. Four words, sorry. The Lord is near. Those things are really important because as we're praying Philippians 4, if we can remember that he is near, which means he's at hand, he's right there, I can touch him. When I am reading through and submitting my prayers and the things that are deeply on my heart before God, then I know that he's right there. I'm not begging the ceiling. I'm not trying to get my prayers past the ceilings and past the clouds. He's right here. And when I do that, I can step into trust and faith and I can step into thankfulness much easier when I know that I'm talking to a person who's right here. He's right here. He's not far away. The three types of people was the next week. The jumpers, the doers, and the dependent. The, really, the big question really was, did I get that right? Yeah, Philippians 4 is hard to follow if we don't trust God. Do we really trust him? Trust always involves risks. The jumpers, if you remember, the jumpers would only take care of themselves. They would bail themselves out of the problem, and they would like make sure that they were safe, but they did it apart from God. The doers were people who wanted God to speak to them, but they were so busy trying to fix the problem on their own that they forgot to stop and to listen. And then there's those who are dependent. The people who are dependent on God see the problem, and they stop and they wait for his answer. And they stop and they take the request to God, and they get really, really thankful, and they begin to declare out, what he's doing in their life and looking for the good. And then Sean brought in the story of Isaac 
wanting to move to Egypt in the middle of a famine and how God told him not to go. And sometimes we're told to stay in the place of famine. Sometimes we're told to stay in the storm. God doesn't always pull us from the storm. Our endurance is critical. We're called to sow the seed in the season of the famine, which means that we continue to plow into the goodness of God and we're thankful and we're grateful and we're continuing to do the work even when we're not seeing the results of what we're expecting, right? And then last week, Sean talked about the Apostle Paul and how he said that God rescued him out of all of his trials and recognizing that his trials didn't necessarily look like rescue, but Paul was using the perspective of God and he wasn't using the perspective of man. And he hadn't just made a decision that God had to rescue him like this in a certain specific way, or he wouldn't consider it rescue. He instead allowed God to be God in his life and bless the Lord. Okay? Remember that we want to debrief with the Lord when situations don't look like they should have. Okay, so there's the recap. Now, I have another picture for you. It's of of a moon. All right, so the other day, Josiah comes up to me. He's getting ready for bed, and he's brushed his teeth, and he's crawling into his bed, and he's like, hey, Mom. I was like, yeah. And he goes, did you know that sometimes the moon looks like this? Not the whole picture, but like, like this. And I'm like, yeah, it's called a crescent. He's like, what? I'm like, it's called a crescent moon. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you know that when the moon looks like this, that it's actually still a circle. You just can't see it. He was like, the moon doesn't actually change from circle to a crescent. He was like, it actually always stays a circle. We just can't see it. And I was like, you are brilliant, child. Like, you are so smart. You know, yes, you're absolutely right. And the Holy Spirit literally instantly speaks to me. And he was like, that's how we view our circumstances. We view our circumstances like the crescent. But there's a whole nother section of circumstances that we can't see that we think aren't really there, right? Right. So when we're looking at our circumstances, our storms, and we're seeing the crescent, I want you to remember this story because I want you to remember the fact that there's always more to the story than what we can see. There's always more to the story than what we can see. My son is brilliant, right? I love how God speaks to us. (laughs) All right, so here's a story for you. So we have some good friends of ours who are missionaries. We have a lot of good friends of ours who are missionaries. And um, one of them, one couple, actually there was two couples, who lived in a foreign country, a Muslim foreign country. And I'm going to leave it very generic for that purpose, okay? So they lived in a Muslim foreign country. And this was years ago, probably 20... 20 20 years ago-ish, ish, around there. And they had taken their babies over, so they have children overseas, I think two at the time, and and they were doing the work. They had actually gone into a remote village in this country, and they had planted a church, a small little house church, and God was doing incredible things. The church was growing. People kept coming in. They were, they were literally, they had been there for probably three to four years, and everything was finally falling into place. 
all, they had a house of prayer that was consistently going. They were working to get the locals to come in and to run it around the clock. And they had just a few, like probably 15 people who were coming in, but they were faithfully coming. They were faithfully growing in the Lord. And, um, and everything that they had been building, they had plans. They had probably a 10-year projection of what they were going to do in this country. And it was incredible, you know. And so one night while they're praying, the whole entire team hears the Lord say, I want you to go and to show the Jesus film in another village. And they were like, they sat there and they submitted it back to the Lord. And they were like, God, are you sure this is what you want us to do? Like, are we hearing you properly? It wasn't really, are you, I, I don't want to do it. It was, we want to make sure that we're hearing you. This is a closed country. You can't share the gospel in this country. And so, so they, they all, the entire team hears the Lord say, yes, you're supposed to go. And so they packed up their equipment and they took it to the other village and they shared the Jesus film and people got saved and it was absolutely beautiful. So incredible. Until the next day. The next day came and they got a knock on the door and they were told they had hours to pick up what they could carry and to leave the country immediately on foot to the neighboring country where they had no visa, they had no legal permission to go into. They were given hours or they were going to kill everybody there. And so our, our friends grabbed what they could. They had two children, so they pretty much had to carry them out and a few bags. And they, they left the country on foot. They fled all of their dreams, all of their hard work, just gone in an instant. They went to their leadership and the leadership, instead of coming alongside them and saying, guys, you heard the Lord, you did great. You did exactly what you were told to do. Instead, they said to him, I cannot believe that you chose to do something so incredibly bold. I cannot believe that you hurt the name of every single missionary organization in the entire country you just put out. Every single missionary, they didn't put them out of the country, but they put big red alerts all over them. Every single missionary who's been serving their life in these countries are now all flagged as, you know, as dangerous. They're like, what have you done? Why would you have done this? And they were like, whoa, we were coming to you because we were devastated. And instead of getting, hey guys, you heard God, you did well, what they got instead was in trouble from their leadership even. There was a whole process where they had to walk through. They were in deep, deep grief. I remember just talking to him, and, and well, Sean was talking to him, and, and we were just ministering to them. You know, they were just heartbroken. It was absolutely horrible. One of, one of the hardest experiences of their life. You know, and that's, guys, that's a storm. Everything you have worked for, everything that you have built your life around, all in the name of honoring the Lord, all in the name of going after and getting, making disciples and doing the work of the Lord was just completely gone. Now, the, the Christians, were they, they actually were able to remain, and they did continue to operate a church there. They continued to move forward with the Lord. So there was at least that. They could at least look back and to go, I've got 15 people in this remote village that didn't know Jesus before we came. There's 15 Guys, this is, this is a storm, right? This is a storm. But there was a whole other side that they couldn't see. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit, okay? 
James 1, verses 2 through 4, says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. This isn't a very fun scripture verse. Consider it joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that your faith is being tested and it's producing endurance. Who likes endurance? Who likes to run? Besides Scott. Running produces endurance, and it feels like the death of me. It probably is literally almost going to be the death of me when I have to run. Sean said last week that when I had to run in the Denver airport, I almost died. <laughs> they were like, ma'am, stop, take your mask down and breathe. And I'm like, ah, we're going to make it. It was bad. You know, that's what it is. Like Building endurance is painful, right? Because it's stretching us. It's doing something. It's testing us, right? Nobody likes to be tested. Well, no, I don't think anybody likes to be. Nobody likes to be tested, right? Unless you're weird. I'm not talking to you people. I'm not talking to you, Scott. <laughs> but look what it's doing. It's producing something in you, right? God's producing something in us, right? That's what it says. Consider it joy because something good is happening to you. Let endurance have its perfect result so that you can be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Do you know what those words mean, perfect and complete, lacking in nothing? It means perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. That's what it means, right? So, so we're allowing, like we get to become super joyful when a storm comes and when we're not removed from the storm, but we're actually told to walk right through it. We get to become super joyful because all of a sudden our endurance is getting built. The good things are happening to us. We're becoming perfect and we're becoming complete. And the things that we were lacking are no longer going to be lacking in us because as we continue to walk through in our faith with endurance, God's doing an amazing work inside of us. I want you guys to keep this scripture in your mind as we go to, through the next ones, okay? Now we're going to move over to Philippians. And just hold on this slide for just a minute, okay? As we, we're going to read it, and then I'm, I'm gonna, we're going to talk about the question at the end. Philippians 1, verse 12 says, Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. That's great news. My circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, that's incredible. He was building something. He got, Paul was watching something get built because of his circumstances. That's absolutely incredible. That's something that's worth celebrating and rejoicing over. But what were his circumstances? Prison. Not just American prison, right? With air conditioning, three meals a day, even if they're not lovely, Right? No, we're talking about a dungeon, a hole in the ground, in shackles. His circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. Now let's, let's move forward to this, next question, to this next scripture verse. 
He says, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard or the whole governor's palace and to everyone else. And that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ, even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. Okay, so here's Paul. He is in prison, and he's looking at his situation, and he's writing to the Philippians, okay? His situation looks like him getting reports from people. The church is coming to him and they're talking to him about what's happening around him, right? But not all of those reports are lovely, are they? He's getting reports that people are intentionally trying to cause him... Hello? (laughs) There's an angel behind me, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) All right, I'm going to go back here. Okay, he's getting these reports that people are preaching... The gospel (laughs) with intention to cause more persecution to Paul. The word distress means pressure, persecution, trouble, and tribulation. So they were preaching the gospel intentionally to poke Paul and to hurt him. Right? So those aren't good reports. And how many of us, we can get 10 good reports, but the one bad report we get is what we dwell on. The one bad report is what sits there and eats us. Oh my gosh, I can't believe people are, those people are preaching Christ. Do you, like, I know what kind of Christ they're preaching. I understand what they're doing. They're literally doing it so that they can cause more persecution to me. They are literally doing it intentionally to inflict pain and distress on me. We can begin to sit there and dwell on the reasons why we know what they're doing. Their intention, that's all we can see. But look at the way Paul words this, guys. This is so incredible. So everything he just said up up until this point, my circumstances are increasing the gospel. The gospel is being proclaimed because of my imprisonment, because of my bonds. And then he goes on and he says, he says, more people have courage to preach the gospel without fear because of my situation. The entire governor's palace got to hear the gospel of Christ because of my situation, right? So was he looking at it from a victim perspective? Why hasn't God rescued me? Why hasn't God pulled me out of this? What is he doing? Why is this storm troubling me so much? I'm so tired of being in prison. It's terrible here. I'm tired of having to pet rats, right? Or keep them from biting me. Right? Seriously. That's, that's the kind of light. Like, he wasn't in a beautiful prison. He was stuck in a place where they didn't have bathrooms. They had rats vying for their food that they were given, the, the little portions that they were given every day. He wasn't in a good place, but his response was to write a letter to somebody to encourage them. Consider it all joy, brethren. Consider it all joy. Right? That's what, that was his response. He's looking at his circumstances and he's like, look at what God's doing. Look at what he's doing. The entire, everybody has become courageous in sharing the gospel because of my situation. 
They're actually coming against the spirit of fear, and they're going out, and they're sharing the gospel. The entire governor's palace now knows, now knows the gospel of Jesus. All right, the next scripture verse, verses, verses 18 and 20. He says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. This is him speaking about the people who are sharing the gospel only for causing him distress for that purpose alone. He says, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and provision of of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything But with all boldness, Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Guys, that is incredible. He is sitting there in prison, watching some good things happen, yeah, but then also watching some bad things happen. And let's be honest, his situation was really bad, right? That's a pretty big storm. You know, and his response was everything for the cause of Christ. I'm going to rejoice in my situation, and I will. What did he say? He said, in, he said, this will turn out for my deliverance, in verse 19, this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Whether I die or whether I live, God will provide for me. Right? Amen. That's a perspective. That's a perspective that's different than most of us do. And you know why? Because it's counter the culture. Right? It's counter the culture. What's the, like, I know that, I know that we have a culture in America that is, you know, like, there's the system. I think what I would say our culture right now is all about comfort. A hundred percent. I just want to be comfortable. I want to be comfortable. I want to have a comfortable income. I want to have a comfortable house. I want to have comfortable children, which means they're pretty good. They're pretty comfortable. Like, we're, we're, we're getting along pretty well. I want my life to be comfortable. Right? That does not look like endurance. And that happens when, when comfort is our goal in life, when it's our aim, our direction, the only thing that we can think about, the only thing that we really, really want. When storms come... Those are a little bit uncomfortable, aren't they? Storms actually come against our comfort. And they cause us to be like, we, were, we just want to be comfortable again. Can't we just get comfortable again? But God's not after us to be comfortable. That's not what the gospel says to do. We're actually called to move forward in faith and trust and to have endurance being built in our faith. Right? The only way we can have endurance being built in us is through testing, through learning the endurance. It's through walking through the storm and not always getting plucked out in our own perspective and rescued like we think we should be. In a relationship, in a good, healthy relationship, the way that I learn trust is by testing of the relationship. As the relationship gets tested, because testings come, right? I don't mean that there should be, there has to be even a huge fight. I just mean that there are times in our relationships that they're tested. And in those moments, we either learn trust or we don't. The, the relationship gets tested and the endurance of our relationship 
is built when test is proved. This is what it looks like in a healthy relationship with God. There will be testing. I'm not saying he's bringing the storm. I'm saying that he's saying you're going to the other side in the boat with Peter and the disciples. He said, go to the other side. They got in the boat. They started to go to the other side, and there was this massive storm, and they completely panicked. Now, these were sailors. They knew weather. They knew how to sail in bad weather, and they were terrified. It was a really nasty storm, right? But what they weren't recognizing is that God had already told them to go to the other side. He sent them through the storm. They panicked in the middle, and he, he did rescue them, didn't he? He showed up, planning to go on by them. He didn't plan to stop. If you read that encounter with God, he was planning to go on past them, to walk right past them, because he'd already told them they were going to get to the other side. He expected them to do something about the storm. Right? They called to him, and in his mercy, and in his compassion, and his kindness, he chose to stop and to make some adjustments to their situation. But he didn't necessarily plan that. His plan was that they actually had their faith tested and their endurance built because God had said, go here, and they were on their journey, right? That journey was a test of, of, their, of their faith in the word of God, right? And he showed up, and he taught them new things, and it was a good situation. It wasn't that they necessarily failed, but they did miss the point. And then in God's mercy, he showed up, and he adjusted it for them. And he still taught them the lesson, right? Okay. I want to just make sure I've got my notes here. When we're back on Paul, we're looking at this situation in Philippians 1, 18 through 20. And he is looking at these people that are preaching the gospel to cause him persecution, to cause him pain. And he is saying, I'm going to choose to rejoice. I'm going to choose to rejoice because Christ is being taught. Christ is being preached. Christ, his message is being proclaimed. Because of my situation, the people around me are seeing the good work of God and they're actually choosing to step into faith over fear. What does our storm look like to the people around us? Are people seeing the storm that we're in and are they able to step into confidence and courage because they're watching the way and the integrity in which we're walking through that storm? Or is their faith being shipwrecked right alongside of ours because we're so angry that our comforts aren't being met and that we're having to walk through a storm in the first place? When other people are seeing our storm around us and they're watching the integrity that we're walking through it, are they also able to step into a place of courage and faith and look at their own fears in their life and hit them head on? Or are they getting shipwrecked with us? The way that we walk through our storms isn't just about us. It's also about the body of Christ. As people are watching us, that's what it says in, in Philippians 1, is that people were watching Paul, and because of his situation, they were becoming courageous. Can people say that about us in our storms? Are people becoming courageous because they're watching us walk through our storms? 
Are they going after the Lord more because they're watching the faith and the trust that we're developing in him? This is important because our lives are not isolated. Our lives have people, whether our children are watching, our children are always watching us. Our children are watching us and our job is to teach them. But the people around us in our sphere, they're watching us too. Right? And our job is to preach the gospel of Christ. And our endurance and the things that we do in the middle of the storm, the way that we bless God, the way that we thank him, the way that we tenaciously continue to put one foot in front of the other and say, God, you said I'm going to be on the other side. And so I'm going to walk this. I'm going to walk right through this. And I'm going to glorify you. And I'm going to worship you in the middle of this. And I'm going to continue to stay in integrity before you and let my character get built and sharpened and changed. And I'm going to let the pieces of me that aren't great fall off so that everything, so that I can be perfect, perfected, complete in Christ. So that by the time that I reach the shore, I have more of the authority of Christ. I understand who I am. My character has been refined. My faith has been proven, right? And then the next time I go through another storm, I get to increase as well. We get to consider this joyful. We get to, it doesn't mean, yay, I'm in a storm. Instead, we get to go, God's doing something in me. What is he building? What is he doing in me? What kind of a testimony is my life creating right now for the people around me? Are they becoming courageous because of me? Or are they getting afraid because they're watching me get tossed everywhere? And because I blame it on God, they think God did it to me. Because my perspective was angry because I was wanting comfort and God was wanting me to be tested and my endurance to be strengthened. Right? The way we walk through the storm, it matters. It matters. Okay. Here are some questions for us. God is... Oh, yeah, I missed one. Here we go. That's a good one. How are we viewing our storms? Are our storms opportunities for Christ to be magnified in us and for his name to be proclaimed? Or are we stuck being frustrated and angry that God hasn't removed us from the storm? And here's the last one. God is the only one who sees the whole picture. He's the only one who sees the moon at all times in all of its fullness. He never gets just the crescent. God always sees the whole, right? Are we counting our storms and looking for how to magnify his name? Are we choosing to see what God is doing in us during the storm? Are we looking for what he's creating us? What is he building in us? What is he growing in us and what is happening to the people around us because of our testimony? All right, now let me tell you the rest of the story. I want to go back first, though, to James. It says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result so that you can be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Here's the rest of the story. 20 years goes by. They're actually banned from the country. They couldn't go back in. But they tried. 
about 20 years later, and look, at, look, they got to get into the country. So they get into the country, and they are in a, they're invited into a, an underground church. And so while they're sitting there, they asked our missionary friend to share this story. And so our missionary friend begins to talk about his story of what happened while he lived in their country. And at the end of, of him telling the story, this guy comes up to him. He's never met him before in his life. And he was like, I'm that guy. And he's like, you're what guy? He was like, I'm the guy who was, and this is the part I omitted from the first part of it, who was recording the Jesus film being shown in the country. And I'm the one who leaked it to the police and to the media and who got you kicked out of the country. I'm that guy. And he was like, whoa, he's in an underground church, right? They don't just let anybody into underground churches because of that, because of persecution, right? And he was like, let me tell you the rest of the story. He was like, after you guys got kicked out of the country, he goes, every single night for weeks, every day, all day long, all night long, he goes, I was tormented by demons. He was like, I literally couldn't sleep. He goes, I literally thought I was going insane. He was like, I, lit- I, he was like, I was pulling my, my head, trying to get my, he was like trying to be able to think. I couldn't think clearly. I literally was losing my mind and I fled. I ran out of the country and he ran into another country, another Islamic country trying to get free from the demons that were chasing him and hounding him. And he runs smack dab into another missionary <laughs> who preaches the gospel to him, who sets him free of his demons and gets him saved. Okay, but the story doesn't end there. This man who was responsible for ending the, the plan of my missionary friends then went on to plant 65, at the last count, house churches throughout that whole new country and all of the country that, he was, that, that our friends were kicked out of. They said that he's like a modern-day Paul. They were like, nothing stops him. He's been imprisoned. He's been beaten. He's been tortured. He just continues to preach the gospel. The rest of the story was God didn't need our friends to be in that country for the next 10 years. But he let them believe that that was their goal because they needed to have a mindset of long-term. They needed to have the long-term mindset so that they could endure the things that were going to come, right? Right? But what God needed was for them to share the Jesus film so that this man could get saved. And this man who is from that country has full legal right to be there at all times, all the time, then gets to step into the authority that God has given him to run with the gospel of Christ. Guys, this is what our stories, this is what happens. We see the crescent. And all we are doing is like, God, why isn't it a full moon? Why can't we see the rest? Or this is all of the, that we see We don't understand. We thought you told us to show the Jesus film. We thought you told us to do this, God. And my entire life is now falling apart. Everything is broken. Everything has fallen apart. And God's going, no, you just can't see that it's still a full moon. Let me show you what the rest of this looks like. So beautiful that they got to see the end of their story. And it's not the end. It's continuing, right? right? Like that story is continuing. And it's beautiful because once... These people get saved. They continue to share the gospel of Christ. So churches are being blown up in these countries. It's amazing, right? Because 
One team heard God, chose to risk, and then got the rug pulled out from underneath them, and they didn't understand what had happened. Right? Guys, this is what our lives need to look like. When we go through the storm, we have to pay attention that we only see a piece of it. We're only seeing a piece of the situation and of our storm. Right? But there's a whole other side that God's wanting to build and that he is building. Our job is to make sure that we just choose to think like Paul does. And he goes, thank you that I'm in this place. And because I'm in the middle of this storm, good things are happening in the kingdom. And because of my testimony, other people are becoming courageous. And other people are having their, their um, hearts developed and their courage increased so that they can run the race of God. That's what our job is, right? So choose to count it all joy when we go through different trials. Change the way that we think and start asking God, what are you building in me? What are you building in me? All right, let's just take a minute. We're going to pray, and then I will close as I close the service. Holy Spirit, I just ask right now that you would share with every single one of us what it is that you're building in us. What are you changing in us so that we can be complete in you? Listen to him. He wants to talk to you. What are you building in us, Jesus? And then am I walking in my storm in a way that's honoring you and making other people courageous? Or do I need to adjust my thinking? Do I need to stop the grumbling and complaining? And choose to step into joy and thanksgiving. God, we choose to step into joy. We're not necessarily thankful for the storm, but we are thankful for what you're doing in us, God. We're thankful for these opportunities to develop our character better. We're thankful for these opportunities to become completed in you. God, we're thankful that we get to become perfect in your sight. God, these are opportunities for us to grow. These are opportunities for us to step into trust with you. And God, we choose to step into risk. We choose to trust because you're good and we choose to be thankful and we choose to rejoice in you. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarrensburg.com. We hope to see you soon.